Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to church. Great to see you today. Glad you're joining with us each and every week. It's really good to be able to, to speak to you wherever you may be. And uh, really soon we're going to get to come back to church in the building and join together once again. This morning I'm going to continue on the series that we began a few weeks ago called Fresh. And today I've titled the message, Where to Run When You're Run Out. Where to Run When You're Run Out. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and 22. As you know, in 1492, Columbus sailed the what? The ocean blue. Instead of finding a trade route to Asia, he unleashed in the imagination of all of Europe an unimaginable possibility of a new world. And suddenly, everything seemed possible. Suddenly, the entire world just seemed to open up. Ponce de Leon heard of a mythical island called Bimini, and it was reported that there was a, a spring of water there that if you, if you drank from it, you would be forever young, right? King Ferdinand gave money to find it, but they never did. They, they searched for it, but they never found it. Instead, they found Florida, which I believe is the reason why a lot of old people still go there all the time looking for that fountain of youth. But he, he died with old people in Florida looking for eternal youth, right? Failures did not discourage more adventure. Coronado, he marched into northern Mexico searching for seven cities of gold, right? And what motivated all these obsessions with gold and, and eternal youth and, is, is this. Is there anything out there that, that is, is, is not waiting to still be discovered? Is there, is there, is, are there places out there that, are, that we can find? Is there new, is there new territory in order to, to conquer all these things? Here's the point. We're not much different even now. We still have this mindset within us. How, how many wives every fall lose their husbands to the NFL ticket instead of the engagement of the family, right? Or how many wives lose their husbands to hunting season because, because looking at wild animals or watching the NFL game is as close to adventure as they dare to get. How about wives? Often women will try to overcome the disappointing of life through exercise routines, uh, romance novels, careers that they're running toward, all those things. I'm talking about desires deeply embedded within us, coercing us to run races, but seemingly never crossing the finish line. We're all running. We're all trying to get there. We're all, we're all pursuing those things. Let me, let me say, uh, talk about three groups of people this morning. Three groups. Number one, those who are dead in their souls, divorced from desires. And if you, here's, here's what I, I want to tell you. If you lose desire, you lose life, right? You'll just lose life. Number two, the, the addicted. Those who are addicted to, to this or to that or to whatever it is. And then thirdly, those who that I really hope to inspire and encourage you, and that is those, those who are alive, but that are still thirsty for new. Those who are alive, but want something fresh. Those who are alive, but that just are, 
are waiting on that tangible freshness that God has to give to us and that we could really find in him. I'm here to tell you, God has something to satisfy even, even the, the longings of the human heart, right? And it's called holy. It's simply called holy. This series that we're in called fresh, right? The idea is that life can be well lived and not have to be stale. Life can be fresh. We believe that before us lies undiscovered resources, still unseen beauty, unannounced goodness, new ways to live, continuing forward. But we got we to continue in that. But, but new only comes to fresh, right? It only comes to fresh. Jesus said, don't ever put new wine into old wineskins. Wineskins become brittle, become contaminated. And the application is really conditioned people, conditioned hearts, the fresh receives the new. That's what he's trying to get to us. And, and we're trying to convey during this series. Hebrews was written to old wineskin people, right? Believers, churchgoers, but often discontent. And that discontentment can be a dangerous mindset. If we're not careful, we'll settle for the old because the old is familiar. We just settle for the old. And in settling for the old, we settle for the stale and we don't go after the fresh. I'm encouraging you go after the fresh in life. Listen, we'll go for doctrines without adventure, right? Doctrines without adventure stay right where they are, right? And so today we're going to talk about holiness. And I'm curious in the subject of holiness, um, I'm curious about your reaction hearing that. So if you would right now when you're listening, just write in the comments, say something about what you think this might be about that you should, I want you to leave a comment, maybe, maybe circle back around to it at the end, the conclusion and see if that, if your, if your ideas hold true still to the end for, for some holiness is a tough concept. It's a very difficult concept. We need to discover true holiness, but because without holiness, scripture says we cannot see God. We'll just never, we'll never know. We'll never see him. Holiness is not deadness. It's passion, right? It's, it's not divorcing yourself from desires. Instead, it's being more attuned to them. It's being more drawn into, it's paying attention to what you truly want, what, you truly, what you're truly made for, what, what God made you for. The problem is, is that old life seeks to fulfill the desires of all kinds of things other than God. And that's, the, that's really the issue. The problem it really is, is we don't really know what will satisfy our, our, our soul? What, what satisfies us? That's why, it's why we need God's help. It's why we turn to scripture. It's why we spend time in prayer, right? Without holiness, without something fresh, is what we've been talking about through the series, we do not, we do not receive the new. We don't receive the new. I want to I I jump into a passage of scripture that I, I just find fascinating in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and 22. David is running his own race. He's, he's, in a, he's in this marathon of life. He's a fugitive at this point in his life. He's literally running from King Saul. He's been anointed king. He's, he's been in the palace, but now Saul's his jealousy, his, 
has enraged him to the point where he's trying to even kill David. There's a, his destiny, David's destiny was to be the next king. And he's learning to trust God through this journey. But he knows now for sure that King Saul's trying to kill him. He's, he's got, he's got bounty out on his head. His hatred's not going to pass. It's not going to, it's not going to subside. He's going to continue in an effort to kill David. And now, now he's running. So David has to run out of the palace and he has to, to run for his life. And he, he runs out of the palace without a chance to even pack his bags. And soon he finds himself, he finds himself out of food, out of ideas, out of prayers, and out of perspective, he's out there on his own. And, and should, should I just give up on this idea, this, this thing that God has, has anointed me to, to be the king? Should I give up on that idea? Does he, does he, does, he does what many of us do in those moments of desperation. He runs actually to the holy place. He runs back to the holy place. And there he finds a priest and a sanctuary. A priest in a sanctuary. The word sanctuary, we use, now we call them worship centers, churches, different places like that. But I, even within a church, there's a part of the church. I'm in it right now in our church. This is the, the sanctuary. This is, this is what we used to call it, right? It's a, it's a holy place. It's a, it's a place dedicated to the worship of God. And, and when I was a kid, I remember you never, as a kid, you never ran in church. You're, you know, because if not, some grandma would get you, you know, or some mama would, would hunt you down or you'd get that stern talking to something would happen. But, but, but now the word sanctuary is kind of, it's kind of morphed outside of the church. Now we have bird sanctuaries. We have all these different things to keep things safe, right? It's a, it's a safe spot. It's not a place of adventure and excitement. I'm here to tell you, I think God has more to, to, for us to, to learn through the idea of sanctuary than just safety. And the priest in this sanctuary in scripture right here in 1 Samuel 21, his name is Elimelech and his job is to keep the sanctuary holy. That's his job. Holy is a word that describes the otherness of God. It's otherness, right? It's the matchless purity, the beauty of God. So the sanctuary is, is what? It's a location of holiness, for holiness. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a church. It doesn't have to be that. Wherever God actually meets human beings at, I believe God can meet us anywhere, but I do believe that the sanctuary, the house of God, is an important place to meet with Him. But all through Scripture, we see God meeting with people at a burning bush, we see him meeting on Mount Sinai. We see, we see God meeting those, those three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace. We see God showing up in, in undesired places for, for mankind, but God comes into the undesirable places in our lives just when we need him to. And he, he infuses humans with this otherness called holiness that I want to talk about today. Imagine a couple in love. Most beautiful woman, most ruggedly handsome guy, madly in love. If you say, if you say, look how much that husband loves his wife. Just, just look at that. It's a perfect marriage. Well, it might be a perfect marriage, but is it a, is it a holy marriage? It's different, right? It's different. Or if you watch, if you watch movies, I love watching action movies. I love Jason Bourne movies. How many of you like those Jason Bourne movies? That guy has some courage, but. I wouldn't say it's holy courage. I'd just say it's courage, 
right? There's a difference. Or, or corporations that are extremely generous, right? Amazing corporations, but are they, are they holy? Are they, are they otherly, right? Are they, are they set apart? If it's, if it's human, listen to me, if it's human, it's not holy. Holy means other. And a key to fresh life is God's other come to us. It's what God has, it's his otherness come to us. So God is other. And by the way, because God is other, that sometimes causes some problems, right? Let me give you a little bit of an illustration here. Remember Peter, Peter's a fisherman, fished all his life, really good at his job, really good at his profession. And um, one thing I know about fishermen, because I are one, is, is this. You don't want to tell a fisherman how to fish because he thinks he knows, right? And Peter's no different. And Jesus shows up. Jesus is a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. And Jesus shows up, and he, instead of teaching Peter to fish normal, he teaches him some holy fishing, right? Some, some whole other kind of fishing in the middle of the day, which is not customarily the time you catch fish in the deepest part of the water which again is not the perfect place to catch fish peter caught fish under the the instruction of jesus and peter's reply jesus tells him where to go jesus tells him what to do he's instructing him to a different thing something new right and peter's reply when the nets begin to break because the haul of fish is so heavy get this peter's reply to jesus is this depart from me right he rebukes him he rebukes him isaiah who's a who's a regular worshipper of god one day the bible says he sees the lord high and lifted up and and what he does is he falls to his face and he says woe is me woe is me he met the he met the holy god is what happened he met god Here, here's here's the application if we want the other of God. If we want, if we want that other, right? If we're looking, we're looking for that fountain of youth. We're looking for that city of gold, right? We're looking, but here's the deal. The other of God scares us. We can look for the other in our business, in our passion, in our personal pursuits, in the race that we're pursuing. But what about, what about the, what about the holy things in us? What about the, what about the spiritual aspect of our life? I'm just encouraging you, listen, search for the other in God. Search for it, right? Search for it. I was reading recently that in Ivy League schools, they have huge depression rates because smart kids have always been the smartest people in the room. And now when you assemble a bunch of smart kids together, now suddenly he's not the smartest guy in the room anymore. He has trouble with that. See, he's always been the other one, but now he's the average one. And we all have issues with that, right? So, so, you, so now he's, he, was, he, was, he was, you know, normally making straight A's, and now he's making straight C's and D's. And do you just settle for C's? Well, when you meet the other level of smart people, you do. <laughs> and it's not that you settle, it's just where you are. And it's, it's, it's defeating, Right? So what happens is your perception faces suddenly a new reality, and it's difficult. The problem with a holy God is our human perception. I'm okay, like I'm pretty good, I'm a, I'm a good guy, but then I meet God, 
and my virtues collapse because I realize I'm not good. I realize I'm not holy. I'm not that different than others, right? We've, we've gone through life with, with our best love, with our best strength, with our best kindness, with all of that in play, but it falls apart quickly in light of holiness, otherness. This is why holy gets redefined oftentimes as rules to obey instead of God's infusion of his supernatural life into us called holiness, that we can truly live holy. You were made for holy. God didn't intend on you ever living average. He intended on you to be otherly, other, set apart, different, right? C.S. Lewis said it this way, not made to live as half-hearted creatures fooling around with food and drink when infinite joy is offered like an ignorant child making mud pies in a slum because you, you can't imagine what is meant by a holiday at sea. Here's the problem. We're made for holy, but when we get close to holy, we tremble and we feel small and insignificant. So our choice to stay with mud pies or to deny our desires and go after holy. That's the choice that we have. So how do we get holy here? How, how, how do we get holy here? Let's go back to the story of David. David's running for his life. David has run into where? He's run into this temple, the sanctuary, right? And he's met a man named Elimelech there. And, 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 and a desperate David bursts into this holy place and with only one thing on his mind, survival, right? This is a moment where David's simply thinking about survival. He's about to get so much more, but all he's really after is survival. I believe that's true for all of us. I believe when we burst into holy places, I believe when we are intentionally driving into holy places, God has so much more for us than even what we show up trying to desire, right? So how do we get holy? What do we, what do, we do? I, I, know, I know you came here. Sometimes people come to this place, come to church for, for better things. They want to they grow in their marriage. They want to grow in their desires for, for, for more of God. They want to grow in these areas of life, right? But, but God is going to open up your heart to so much more than even that. So much more. David, David here, his dreams are under attack. Everything David thought about how life should go for him seems to be falling apart. He's running for his life, right? Running for his life. And, and here, the priest is trembling because this is David now that has burst in the room. This is David. This is David with his, with his men. This is David. And because he likes things in order, the priests typically do. They like things in order, well planned out, all those things. And suddenly David, the future king, burst in, blast in unexpectedly to a reverent space. And the, and the priest says, uh, what are you doing here, David? What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing in this place? And David, David does something I actually like. I hope you don't count it against me, but David lies. He lies right here. David says this. He says, I'm on a mission for the king, and my, my men, we need food. 
I'm on a mission from the king. And I'm, now we know that the king is out to get him. He's just running scared. He's just running away. And so he, but, so he lies. And I, I'm just, again, I'm going to be honest. I like that he lies here. I just, I just do. I, I hope you're not disappointed in that. But, but I want to point out that David is not in the story here to teach morality. He's not in here to teach us morals. He's, he's in the, he's, he shows up in this, in this story to show us how holy comes to desperate people. we got to know this. Holiness comes to desperate people. He lies and he doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop the race when the race gets hard. He doesn't stop fighting for what's right. He doesn't stop fighting for what's true. David bursts into the holy place for provision. Only the, and then he, the only food that he finds in the sanctuary is the holy bread reserved for communion. Right? And once a week, they would take this bread, the bread of presence, it was called, and they would set it out each week at the beginning of the week, and they would offer it to God. Twelve rows of fresh bread upon the altar, and each Sabbath, at the end of the week, okay, they would offer that to God at the beginning of the week, and then at the end of the week, the priest could eat that week's old bread, right? Only the priest had access to that. And David argues with the priests saying, I need this food. I need this provision for my men. His argument is this, my mission and my men are consecrated unto God. So I'm allowed to eat the bread. David is claiming what? He's claiming holiness. He's claiming otherness. He's claiming something new that had never been done before. Give it to me, he says. And so Elimelech breaks the rules and gives the holy bread to a desperate man. Man, something new is taking place right here. Well, what else is he after? What do you need? What do you need when you're running? Well, you need, you need provision, you need food, and you also need a weapon, right? You need a weapon. What about a weapon? You can't survive in the wilderness without a weapon, and the only weapon that was found in the holy place was what? Was the weapon that David had brought back when he was young, when he got called to a battlefield, when the Philistines were attacking the armies of Israel. And David said yes to God and picked up five smooth stones out of the brook and ran after Goliath, swinging that thing, swinging that, and through that, through that slingshot, that little rock sunk into Goliath's head and he falls over dead. And David does what? He takes Goliath's own sword and he cuts his head off. I think it's awesome. I don't know how gruesome you like it, but read the Bible. It's pretty amazing. He actually takes the head as a trophy and he takes what? He takes Goliath's sword and he takes it where? He takes it to the temple and he offers it there to God because God had brought them through the battle. David is back in the temple. He finds bread at the altar. He also finds a sword to take with him to the wilderness. I want you to know something. What you need is found in God's house. What you need is found in the provision of God. What he has for you there, what he wants to provide to you there, it is found within his house. And, and so David takes that sword, right? This was, this was a holy sword. Listen, I enjoy, I enjoy thinking about the good old days and the good old victories. Right? I enjoy all, but sometimes we need salvation right now. 
this week, right? I need a sword this week. That sword in their, in their, in their heritage had been a trophy piece for the entire nation, right? Something that the, 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 the people would come and they would look at as a, a shrine of things where God had come and been with them. Now David needs it again. God, and so he, what does he do? He dusts off that thing, right? And he, he, he's going to take it for the, for the battles ahead in his life. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we often do things. We often, we often study. We study faith. We study anointing. We study courage. But what if we just use what God has made available to us to carry us into the future. What if we would do that? What if, listen, swords need to be used. They're not to be kept under glass as trophies. They need to be used. So David took Goliath's sword. He took that old sword and David came to hide in the sanctuary. But now he's come to survive, right? God's given him some tools. He, he walked away with bread and a sword. He walked away with strength for the day and a weapon for the fight. David had some resources. Those of you who study the Bible, you know that, that the sword and the bread are the two main metaphors of, for God's word, right? The sword, the sword of the word of God and the bread of life. And it makes sense because if you ever get desperate enough, I'm telling you right now, God's word is useful. His word is useful. So David came to a holy place empty, but he left full and equipped. He comes empty, he leaves full. He comes empty, he leaves equipped. Here's the point. Holy places require, or holy places are required for holy living. So important. You've got to find your holy place. Here, here it is. The story's almost finished. Another, another man in this sanctuary, at the same time David is there, is a man called Doag. He is Saul's secret police, and he's actually in the sanctuary, spying on David. He's hiding in the shadows. He's there for, for religious ceremony. He knew about David and Saul's hatred. He knew about Saul's hatred for him. And so he's taking notes. He's staying tucked away. He's staying out of sight of David, but he's watching David. He's watching David tell lies to the priest. He's watching David eat the holy bread and gather up the Goliath's sword. He's watching all of this take place. His his fortunes with King Saul are, would, would get better as soon as he reports about David's whereabouts, right? But Saul, Saul does something here that is unimaginable. Doag knew, he, he knew that he would go back and tell Saul and, and Saul would then come and find David. And so, but the story is interesting. God allows David to escape, but Saul comes anyway. And Saul comes to that, that place and he lines up 85 priests and he commands the soldiers to kill them. Here's what's interesting. The soldiers wouldn't kill him. They would not go against the holy ones. But, but Doag said, remember, David's in the sanctuary the same time Doag's in the sanctuary. David is receiving provision, bread. He's receiving the sword. He's receiving all these things in that takes him into the future, Doag, what is he doing? He's double-crossing God's anointed. He's, go, he's doubling back for financial gain, for, 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 for popularity. And I, I just want you to see this. Doag steps up when the soldiers wouldn't kill the priest. And Doag says, I'll kill him. And he kills 85 priests and the women and the children. It was a terrible, it was a slaughter of an entire village. 
I want you to see this. Here's the irony. David and Doag are together in the holy place at one time. They're both there. David finds strength and courage. Doag found something which turned him into a villain. Same place, same thing being heard. Both in the holy place. Now he's even worse. Evil in his heart. The evil is accelerated now into his life at a whole new level. What are some lessons we learn out of this story? Three things. Three things. Number one, instead of quitting, find your holy place. Instead of quitting, find your holy. There's more to see and to find out than the world even knows about found within the holy places that God has for us. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on Jesus who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. Holiness, get this, holiness comes with clear focus. Hebrews says that you've got to make two moves to find holiness. Number one, turn away from the natural thing that you've been looking for. Right? we got to turn away. You thought your heart's desire could be satisfied with natural things. You thought your heart's desire. Hebrews says, no, you're losing co- your confidence because you've been looking for natural things. But don't stop there. Number two, keep turning until the gaze of your focus is on Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. He's the source of your desire, the idols, the things that disappoint you, the temporary. If you could just see the love, the joy, the peace that God has for you, you could live what? You could live what we're calling fresh. You could live new. You could live holy, right? The question is this. What does it take to take a shepherd boy and turn him into a king? What does it take to take people like us and turn us into royal priests and a holy nation? What does it take? In the, in the middle of Paul's mission, mission or ministry, he, 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 is, he's, he, he says, he, he calls himself, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. Why? Because in life, cycles happen. Right? Things take place. Seasons, highs, lows, friends, enemies, remembering and forgetting. Holy is infusion of focus into our lives. God's other, right? It awakens us from the overwhelming moments, the deceptions, the dangers to remember our true identity and provision is in God. And it's ultimately in the end, it's in God, in the person and work of who? Of Jesus Christ. It's in him, his defeat of our enemy and his love and guidance of our lives into the future. Paul would go from preaching to entire towns in revival type services, right? Entire places to being run out of town, beaten and imprisoned for months and years of his life. That's the way life tends to be. And if this life is all you see, if that's all, listen, there will never be enough resources for you to stay fresh. So holiness is a pursuit of our hearts. It's the other of God. 
It's the indescribable, right? What does it take to transform us into kings and priests? Holy nation. You don't get holy when someone lays hands on you or you join the church. Listen, everyone is on a journey and those journeys, in those journeys, you've got to find holy places and holy things to remind remind us of who God is and what he's about in our life. Listen, holiness moves us from what we think is going on to actually what's going on, right? It's a new focus. It's a new focus. Secondly, holy places, number two, make you better or worse. Look at verse 12, Hebrews 12, verse 12. So be be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees for as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be healed. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly toward holiness. Listen, wonderful things happen in holy places. I'd write that down. Wonderful things happen in holy places. But look what happened to David. He got bread and he got a sword right? He got a little bit of, a, of assurance. His, his trouble didn't go away. Saul was still after him. He still had spies in the, even within the sanctuary trying to get him, but he did discover an evidence of love that propelled him into the future, right? Secondly, I want, to, I want you to see this. So, so number one, wonderful things happen in holy places. Number two, terrible things, awful things often happen in holy places. Look what happened to to, 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 to Doag, right? Doag used the holy place to, to, to insulate his heart, to, to, to strengthen his sense of superiority, to, to get an advantage over the competition, to, to justify his hatred of David. And he walked away from the holy place meaner than when he arrived. Sadly, I've seen this take place. Some people come to the house of God and leave completely changed by the love of Jesus. Other people's hearts turn hard and get meaner even as they walk away. It's possible, listen, it's possible to be near to Jesus, to see the communion bread and remember the victories that God has given, right? And leave with a harder heart. Cold-hearted people keep rules but carry bad things in their heart. I want you to realize that. They, they, keep, they keep rules. They, they struggle for righteousness. They struggle for rule, but they carry bad things in Doag, right? Doag. Hey, when the presence of the Holy One, please don't resist His love and His mercy and His grace. Listen, when you're in God's presence, don't resist Him, right? Number three, holy places take the old things and make them new again. David repurposed Goliath's sword, right? He took an old thing and he made it new again. David David came in weakness and in desperation. And when he leaves, his trouble's not gone, but he had something to go forward with. And that's my prayer for you today. That you go forward with something in your hand. Saul's still after him. In many ways, now more intense than ever before. But David carried bread to his army and he carried a sword in his hand. 
Right? He had assurance. I think I'll make it now. I think I've, I've been to the holy place. I'll live another day. God is with me. God is saving me. God, is, God has given me a future. God has given me hope. Right? Here, here, here's the conclusion of, of today. Here, here's what I really want to wrap it all up with here. Listen, listen close. Listen. There's more to life than education, money, friends. God offers you holy. God offers you something else. God offers you set apart. Will we strive for what God has for us? There's something from a holy God that comes into our temple, that our temple, your body's the temple, right? That comes into our temple, that comes into your house. Your house can be a holy house. Your, your, your family can be a, your school, your marriage, every circumstance of life, every conversation. It can be, be God's beauty, his love, his courage, his strength. It's a freshness that, that what? of otherness. People won't even be able to describe it. The world needs it. The world around you needs it. And, and here, here it is. Whatever you're facing today, just know, just know there, there's enough bread to get you through and that there's a proven sword to guide you by. Here's what it takes. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Don't give infinite desires, right, to finite things. Look to Jesus. Be willing to stop living on unholy and trust Jesus, not only to forgive sin, listen, not only just to forgive sin, but to open your soul for what God has yet before you. The freshness that is to come. The otherness of God comes through Jesus. So I want to pray for you. I love you. I'm so encouraged that you're with us week in, week out, you're tuning in, you're growing, you're learning. Listen, can I encourage you? Don't stop there. We're going to open back up as a church, right? June 21st, Father's Day, we're opening back up. Here's what I, here's what I, can I encourage you? I want to invite you to come to a holy place. You won't be with all holy people. Trust me, I'll be there, right? But we can learn and we can meet God there. And God can soften our hearts and take us into the future. He can give us bread for today and a sword to use for our tomorrows. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.